Hello, everyone. My name is Rick Hawkins. I'm the pastor of Quest Church. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. You're about to hear a word that is informative, insightful, and inspirational. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can go to questchurch.com. Enjoy the message. It's on in the building right now. Father, we thank you. You know, I'm praying for a shift right now. I'm praying for a movement in Jesus' name, something to shift and change in Jesus' name. Let me jump right into this. I I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, prayerfully, you're spiritually sensitive enough to be aware of when there are attacks going on in the spirit. Many times things happen in the natural, and they're a sign of what's going on in the supernatural. And uh, I've been talking to a lot of preachers and prophets this week across the nation. All of them are kind of saying the same thing about open openness, open heavens, open vision for 2020. But at the same time, there's a real quick uh, follow-up to that in all of their dialogue. And that is that the enemy is about to unleash all he can to stop the progress of revival that's about to hit the world. Now, many of you have been facing resistance and you're wondering where it's coming from and it's not your past giving you trouble and we'll say it again it's not your past that is slowing you down it's your future if you wasn't going somewhere the enemy would not be fighting you like he's fighting you but i came by to tell the devil and all of his friends it's too late now we've come too far to turn back i need you to tell about three people we've come too far now we know too much Hallelujah. We've got a revelation of the blessing of God on our life. We understand what it is to be called and positioned and walking in purpose for the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm okay. Thank you. God is good, isn't he? God is good, isn't he? One more time, lift your voice and give him praise, everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, y'all. Let's bless him a little bit more. I'm going to try to shift this thing just a just a little bit by the Holy Ghost. God is wanting to breathe in this sanctuary. I can feel it. Throw your hands up and tell him, breathe on us today, oh God. Breathe in this building today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 37 tells us when God breathes, things that are segregated suddenly come back together. Stuff that is fragmented suddenly comes back together. Throw your hands up and shout it one more time. Breathe on us, oh God. Amen. You can stand or sit or whatever you want to do. I'm going to get right into this. This is the first Sunday of the year, of course. And uh, the first sets the tone for the rest, as one preacher said that was up here earlier. And depending on your perspective, this is not only a new year, but it's a new decade. (laughs) This is the commencement Sunday of a great year. I want you to shout this as loud as you can. Our new is now. Now tell your neighbor, your new is now. Amen. A hundred years ago, there was a decade referred to as the Roaring Twenties. Right? It was a decade of great prosperity. It was a decade that this country recovered quickly from devastation. And then finally... In the 20s, there was rapid growth and spiritual implications throughout this nation. We refer to that as revival. Yeah. 
So as I'm studying the number 20, I learned that the 20th letter of the Hebrew alphabet is K-A-P-H or Kaf. And as Elder Carey said, it literally means the open palm or the palm being open. Open being ready to receive, but also ready to give. That in the Hebrew terminology, a palm that was turned downward meant that something was about to be imparted or something was about to be exchanged. This is the year of the open hand. And when I was in prayer, I heard the Lord say, tell the people open their hands because I'm about to pour out blessings there's not room enough to receive to those who have been obedient and those who have been faithful. God is good, isn't he? He has engraved you on the palm of his hands. And he said, I cannot forget you because of where your name rests. 20 also connotes the idea of the laying on of hands in regards to healing and restoration. We'll preach about that some as the year goes on. But in the Pentateuch, it's very important in the five books of the law that you understand that every person from the year from the age of 20 and up now was qualified to not only operate in military service but they were also qualified to bring their first offering to the Lord and that first offering was referred to as a ransom offering or the offering of redemption 20 the number 20 is very connected to the word redemption uh, and there's a lot I can say about that and we will as the year goes on as a matter of fact, I'll probably do a whole series on redemption because that's how strong it is. I'll leave you with this thought, though, in reference to 20 being connected to redemption, that the name Boaz is mentioned 20 times in the book of Ruth. The kinsman redeemer is mentioned 20 times in the book of Ruth. Solomon is connected to the number 20 because he built or constructed things for 20 years. David waited 20 years to occupy the office he was anointed to inhabit before he actually arrived to that place of authority. Some of you have been carrying an anointing for a long time, but this is the year you step into your office. I just, I just keep going because there's a lot. But 20 symbolizes not only completeness, um, it symbolizes fulfillment, but it also symbolizes the ending of cycles. Cycles can cause vortexes, which will pull you down. A vortex will pull you down. Cycles that are not of God are always pulling you downward. But the year of 2020, God is going to reverse the vortex. And what was sent to pull you down is actually going to project you up. As a matter of fact, get ready for the year of promotion coming to your life. We speak that in Jesus' name. How many of you are excited about 2020? Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Verse 2, Habakkuk chapter 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And make it plain. Hmm. Make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. 
For the vision is yet. For the vision is yet. For an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak. What shall speak? The vision shall speak. Say this with me. My vision has a voice. And it will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Our text implies the notion, of course, being vision. And many will speak today, many preachers will speak today on 2020 vision. And I will too in the coming weeks. However, there's this idea concerning the number 20 that's been burning in my spirit for about a month. It is found in three words located in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 3. And the three words are this, wait for it. Wait for it. Say it with me. Tell your neighbor. I'm here to preach a message entitled this morning, The Wait is Over. The Wait is Over. Shout that as loud as you can. The Wait is Over. The Message Bible reads verse 3 like this. The vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. And it will come right on time. Hallelujah. Let me talk to you about the wait. How many patient people are in the building today? Raise your hand. I think there's about 10 of us. And I just got my hand up because I said raise your hand because I'm really not that patient. How many of you love being told, hold on? Or wait a minute? I was thinking this morning how frustrating it is when you're excited to get something you have to wait and then I started thinking about places of waiting there's no worse place to wait than in the waiting room especially at the ER filled with other impatient patients how about this you go to your favorite restaurant and you get there and you ask how long is the wait and they tell you 45 minutes. Now, some of you love that restaurant enough to stay. There's not a restaurant in America especially since I got married because I know how good my wife can cook. So I'm not going to wait in a restaurant line for 45 minutes for a meal. And God bless those patient people in the building who can hold that appetite in check for 45 minutes. You watch people in line to ride a ride at an amusement park and they have little signs that says the wait is one hour. And they stay there for an hour, two hours. Let me help you. There's no roller coaster in America. then I'm going to wait two hours to get on. 
Okay, here's one for you. How about the good old airport? How many of you know it's, it's changed a little bit now? The airport stands for one thing in America, waiting. Not only the airport, but the airplane. You land and your flight is delayed. You already know. Flying. Here's one for you. Finding a spouse. All the single people. And you wait. And you pray. And you date. And you wait. And you pray. And you date. And you wait. And you pray. And you date. And you wait. And you pray. And then you date. I just want to pause and give God praise this morning. Y'all remember them testimony services? You lift up one finger. One finger meant one hour of testifying. But I just want to pause and give God praise this morning for waiting 13 long years. Remember the, the old saints used to say it that way. They never said waiting 13 years. It was always long years. Now I waited 13 long years for my spouse to show up. I want to give God praise this morning for my wife. Blessing. Tell somebody next to you, wait on it, wait on it, wait on it. Some of y'all are still waiting on packages that you ordered for Christmas. Let's talk about this prophet. You know, he's not a real popular prophet. When you say Habakkuk, doesn't resonate with everybody. You usually hear people preaching about Isaiah or Jeremiah, one of those guys that are well known. But this guy's name, Habakkuk. He's referred to as a minor prophet, but there's nothing minor about his prophecy. Habakkuk is not a preaching prophet, he's a praying prophet. And that's very important for you to understand. Habakkuk is not a preaching prophet. He's a praying prophet. And Habakkuk looks around during his time at his generation and what's going on around him. And in Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see and listen to his prayer in verse 2 because of the burden he saw he said, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear. The Message Bible reads it on this wise. The problem as God gave Habakkuk to see it. Interesting terminology because sometimes God will show you a problem. Not to cause you to be over-concerned but because he's anointed you to answer the question. All problems are not seen by you for you to complain about them. Hmm. 
Verse 2, he says, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? I'm going to tell you something about this prophet. He's brave too. When you start talking to God like that, you better have a relationship with him. How long do I have to cry before you're going to listen to me? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day, anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place? Sound familiar? Sounded like Walmart during the holidays. <laughs> Law and order fall to pieces. Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. God says, look, watch verse 5, and God tells the prophet, look around at the godless nations. Look long and hard. And watch what he tells, embrace yourself for a shot. Something's about to take place, and you're going to find it hard to believe. Have you ever prayed like Habakkuk? Can you be honest enough to say today, Pastor Rick, I've prayed like that. How long? I have. Lord, how long are you going to let this go on in my life? How long are you going to let this trouble last? That question is all through scripture. And when you come to 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 2, you must ask yourself this question. How long is a long time? Is it relative? Or does it have a timetable attached to it? 1 Samuel 7, 2 says it came to pass that the ark abode in Kerjus Jerem, that the time was long for it was there 20 years. How many of you can say 20 years is a long time? I can't. Have you ever prayed, God, end this thing. Finish it. Have you ever felt convicted about praying like that? I have. But I found that the Bible is full of people that prayed like that. Psalm 6, verse 3, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Psalm 13, 1, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? This is David praying, Psalm 74, 9. We're given no sign from God. No prophets are left. And none of us knows how long this will be. Psalm 119, verse 84, how long must your servant wait? I've asked that many times in my life. How long do I have to wait? It's perplexing, isn't it? Not only perplexing, it's also very confusing. If you serve a God that tells you to have expectation, Lean forward in faith. Talk like it's already here. And then he says, now wait. That's a paradox. On one hand, you're patient. On the other hand, you're prophesying. 
One hand, there's a delay. On the other hand, there's a decree. We call things that are not as though they are. And we what? Wait. I was wondering about this woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she had it 12 years. How many times did she pray? How long? Hmm. Until she touched his garment. Are you with me today? How many times did the lady that was bent over in the synagogue for 18 years pray, Lord, how long? Until one day she went to church on the right day. And Jesus was in the synagogue. And Jesus saw her and called her to himself. And he touched her and immediately she was made straight and began to glorify God. How long? Is long enough? You never know. You just have to keep showing up. Because one day, the wait is over. Could this be the day that you walked in here with an issue, issue or you walked in here with a condition, but Jesus is in the building and Jesus sees your condition and he hears your cry and he says, enough is enough, the wait is over. A crippled man at a pool for 38 years and nobody would help him. But Jesus shows up and he says, do you want to be made whole? Because some people live with conditions long enough to get used to them. And you have to ask them, do you even want to change? Because you've had opportunity after opportunity. It's not a time problem that you have. It's a problem of comfortability that you've engrafted into your life. You have settled, I am what I am. I came by to tell you today, we're going to eradicate that notion. And I'm going to let you know that God is in this building to do the impossible for you. Somebody shouted again, the wait is over. So this prophet presents his complaint to God. And the complaint came from the confusion that he sees. In chapter 1, he did not understand how God would allow the wicked to rule over the righteous. And I thought to myself, many times it is our questions about life that cause vision to come into life. Questions are good. He would have, if he would have never asked, he would have never known. You have not, because you ask not. Everyone say the wait. The wait counts. Say two words, how long? And here's this prophet. I don't understand what's going on. This does not look like God. It seems like everything is upside down. How long, God, how long must I cry before you answer? And then you get to chapter 2. And he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say to me and what shall I answer when I am reproved. Now, you know you're in trouble when you can be complaining to God so much that you're expecting him to rebuke you. <laughs> Have you ever prayed prayers of complaining? God, I don't like this. 
can you please do something about this? And to the point you feel like, okay, he's about to get me now. <laughs> and the Bible says he did this. He went to the watchtower to see what God would say when God rebuked him. I've learned something. There's a difference in questioning and complaining. The trouble caused confusion. The confusion caused a question. The question brought revelation. God let him see the confusion to get him to a revelation. I don't know if you just heard that. God allows you to see some things to bring you to an answer for other people that go through what you already saw. One version reads it like this. I will ascend the watchtower. The watchtower. The watchtower. Watch. The wait. The watch. As I was in prayer this week, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, the watchtower is going to be very important to my people in 2020. I'm going to explain that to you. There's a place called Mizpah in Scripture that is divinely connected to the number 20. Jacob, in Genesis chapter 31, waits 20 years for his promise. Laban, the one who promised him that didn't come through on the promise, met him at a place called Mizpah, and he said, the Lord watch between you and I. The Lord watch between you and I. Mizpah means the watchtower. In 1 Samuel 7, 2, where I read to you that the ark was in a certain place for 20 years. And Samuel now is about to recover it. And the Bible says in verse number 5 that Samuel said to the people, don't miss this. Gather all Israel to Mizpah. Two times in scripture, 20 years of waiting, one place noted, go to Mizpah. Because what you are waiting for will only be seen during your watch season. The watchtower is a place of prayer and peering into your future. So when Habakkuk says, I will send the watchtower to see what God will say when he rebukes me, he's saying I'm going to position myself in prayer because without prayer, I can never see my prophetic future. And in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Bible tells us that Samuel gathers all Israel to Mizpah. Hmm. He pours out an offering to the Lord. He fasted there and he confessed there, we have sinned against you. I'm taking my time with this message because I know where I'm going, but I want this to work on your spirit, church. Hear me closely. After removing the altars of Baal and Ashtaroth. Then Samuel said, the presence can come home. But before it comes home, we have to get together, we have to fast, and we have to pray. We've called this week a week of consecration. Welcome to Mizpah. Welcome to the watch. Because this week, we're going to fast, and we're going to pray. But let me help you. Fasting and praying don't do anything until you remove Ashtaroth and Baal. Ashtaroth and Baal are false gods. 
that represent influences in the community, in the generation, and in society. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We're trying to name stuff, and we really don't need to name it. We just need to deal with the influence of it. Y'all not hearing me? You have no idea how much influence that smart device has over your children. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. Come on in the house, Pastor Rick. You have no idea how much influence your children are under at their schools. It is time for the born-again, sanctified, spirit-filled believer that calls yourself a Christian household to take your teenager smart device and start going through it and seeing what they're entertaining because there are so many influences in this world in this hour. I remember back in the day, Walter Cronkite. Peter Jennings, you listened to him and you just felt like you were hearing integrity. You felt safe when Walter came on. And when Walter came on, my dad would go, shh, 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 listen. Because what Walter said was gospel. Well, let me help you, church. That day is long gone. That is over. Not only do you have media, but you've got all of these influences through social media that tell you opinions every day. And you can read and you can be persuaded in every kind of direction. But one day, you're going to have to wake up and say, you know what? I am not following the direction of any other voice except the voice of the Lord God Almighty and I'll receive my direction and my instruction from his word. I need somebody that's got the Holy Ghost give God praise right now because it's time for us to deal with the influences that are pulling our people and pulling our children in every kind of evil direction. So I'm telling you the first thing you need to do before you start fasting and praying about a new year is get rid of every, inf every evil influence that is in your life. Not some of them, all of them. Why would you praise, pray God, pray to God for divine direction when you're attached to a distraction? Why would you say, God, give me direction while you're having an affair? What happened to conviction over preference? So we are preference our way right into not knowing what a man's bathroom is. We have preference our way as a nation into not knowing who is a man and who is a woman. And you're born a man, but you decided to be a woman. You were born Jimmy and now you're Jenny. All of a sudden, because you all of a sudden felt like you're not a man. Nobody asked you how you felt. I'm sorry, y'all. See, but this is the problem with the church. We don't have no more convictions. Everything operates by compromise, negotiation, and preference. And for the church to get to where it's supposed to be, we're going to have to stand up at some point and say, you know what, here is where we stand instead of getting on talk shows 
with Larry King and everybody else and acting like, well, you know, we don't know. Maybe sometimes and that and this. No, no. You got to decide where do you stand? Put your feet down on the word of God. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Get rid of Baal and get rid of Ashtaroth. I don't have time to go into what those names mean, but it's unbelievable what it means because it's the same spirits that are invading our nation today. It's the same spirits of feminism attacking masculinity. Where you got two guys in a sonic drive-in that can't figure out if they want their, how they want their ice cream. I'm sorry, y'all. See, here I go. Here I go. We don't teach men how to our boys how to walk, stand, shake a hand, squeeze a hand, look at people in the eye. Oh, I'm sorry. Lord help me, Jesus. But there's no absolutes anymore. So, uh, welcome to 2020. Start tearing altars down that belong to false gods and tell your children no. We don't act like that. We don't look at that. We don't talk like that. We don't live like that. Oh, God, help me, Jesus, because I feel it coming on me right now. Quit blaming stuff on ADD, ABC, EFG, and KJ, Elemento. Quit blaming stuff on all them letters. Pull that belt back out and tell that boy, sit down. Okay, Lord, help me. I'm sorry. Influence is in a generation. We want God to lead us, but we won't handle our business. We got women begging men to go to church instead of men standing up and saying, baby, put your dress on. We're going to the house of God today. If you don't want your dress, get your jeans, but put something on because we're going to the house of God. Boy, it's getting quiet now. There's a big polarization coming in the church right now. Quiet people versus loud people. It's all good, but I'm just telling you, saints, listen. The gospel of Jesus Christ is very strong. It was your savior that walked into a temple with a whip. Started cleaning house and kicking over tables. I don't see my Jesus looking like this. Guys, you might want to not do that. Maybe, guys, maybe we shouldn't do that. No, I see a masculine savior that says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And you've made it a den of thieves. Your whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. That's the Jesus you serve. You serve a Jesus that looked at a cross and said, you're not taking me down. I'm going to conquer you, the grave, and hell and come out with the keys in my hand. Stop serving a Savior that's weak. And start seeing Jesus as the man he is. A man that eradicated idolatry. A man that attacked religion. I need to know if there's anybody that loves the Lord in the building today. Welcome to 2020. God is good. So he said, we're going to miss by the watchtower, the observatory, 
the place of peering and praying, but we're not going there until we eradicate every evil influence from our homes. What are your kids watching? What are they listening to? What kind of relationships are you in? God's good. Amen. I'll finish. Some of y'all are saying, thank God. Say this with me. The wait is over. 20 years. The number of waiting. 20 years. Habakkuk 1.5. God speaks to the prophet and said, behold, you're about to wonder marvelously because I'm going to work a work in your days which you will not believe though it be told you. The NIV reads it like this. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. If you read the rest of the chapter, God basically tells the prophet, I'm going to use somebody you don't like to do my will. Y'all ain't hear me. I'm going to use somebody you don't like to do my will. I'm going to do my will through people you would have never selected or elected. Let me help you. God does not need your vote to accomplish his will in the earth. God will speak through a donkey to get the message through. Ask Balaam. So you don't have to meet your cookie cut looking person for God to use him. Come on in the building. Boy, I, I hear a B3 right now. <laughs> Watch. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. The vision is yet for an appointed time. At the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarry, everybody say the three words. Wait for it because it will surely come. It has a set time, a fixed time, a season, a due season. The appointed time is when it all comes together. Jacob working for Laban for 20 years expecting one thing. After 14 years, the promise was you would get it. And you get another thing. Have you ever arrived at a place that you got something you didn't expect? <laughs> I have. And Laban tells him, keep on working, you'll get what you want. And he says, but you're going to work with the livestock now. You've been working with the ladies, now you're going to work with the manure. <laughs> so you know what he says, then give me all the misfits. I'm about to show you how powerful my God is. God showed me something. The 2020 is going to be a year that God redeems the misfits in life. Yeah. You didn't fit anywhere, not comfortable anywhere. The misfits are coming to God. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. God is good, isn't he? So to David, he hides in caves. Oil on his head, not a crown. Anointed to wear a crown, but he's hiding in caves for 20 years. Some of you have been carrying an anointing for 20 years. You've been carrying an anointing for a period of time, waiting. Let me decree and declare to you, this is your year, 2020. 2020 is your year. Jabin oppressed Israel for 20 years. Are you ladies ready for this? Jabin oppressed Israel for 20 years until a woman said, 
enough? Let me tell you something. When my mama said stop, it didn't mean like think about it. That means the high heels coming over the back seat. This was the dangerous words from my mom. I didn't had all I'm going to take. And she said that duck. And let me tell you something. The Lord is telling the enemy in your life, I've done had all I'm going to take. I believe 2020 is a year that women are going to rise up powerful in Jesus' name. They're going to call the blood of Jesus over the bedrooms of their children. Deborahs are coming up in this generation. Not only Deborahs, but their companions, the JLs, are coming up. Somebody ought to give God praise real quick here. God is good, isn't he? Amen. Somebody shout, the wait is over. So 20 years in scriptures always connected to a waiting period. Some of you not been waiting 20 years. Some of you been waiting just five years, seven years. And you've been dealing with things in your life that oppress you, that depress you, that send you into seclusion or isolation. This is the year it's broken in Jesus' name. 2020 is the year of openness. It's the year of freedom. It's the year of yes, God. It's the year that expectations are fulfilled. The things you've been believing for are going to happen. I believe this with all of my heart in 2020. Everything is predicated upon obedience. Everything is predicated upon obedience. If you've been obedient, you've been praying, you've been believing, then I am certain 2020 is the year that you say the wait is over. Jump on your feet and let's give God praise if you're excited about 2020. Amen. God is good. How many of you have been praying about something? You've just been believing God for certain things. Just let me see your hand. When you raise that hand, say the wait is over. This is your year. If this is your word today, will you come down and just let me pray for you? This word is your word. Let me pray for you. Something was said. Something I spoke resonated with you. Something happened in the service that touched your life. Would you come today and let us pray for you? Hallelujah. The wait is over. When you get here, just lift your hands, please. I appreciate your response. There's certain things that I've been waiting on, believing God for. And I know the Lord has shown me that 2020 is the year that I will see it. 2020 is the year that it will manifest. I'm grateful to God today. With your hands raised, I want you to repeat after me. Search me, O God, and see if there be any iniquity in me. Remove it far from me. Any evil influences or any influence that pulls me away from your will, remove it from my life. Break any soul tie. Remove any distraction. In the name of Jesus, 
I thank you, Lord, that all influences that are ungodly are removed from my life. Hallelujah.